I'm so glad you joined us for the podcast today. I'm really excited about it. We are, we're looking at James, we're looking at Jeremiah. And all I can say about that to kind of tell you the truth about why you should tune in is it doesn't get any wilder than this. I mean, it's in your face prophecies and challenging words that sometimes we need to hear. So grab a Bible, pull up a chair, and let's dive in. glad you're here. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Pastor Mike Drop Podcast. I'm joined by three of my favorite sisters in Christ. Uh, you're all here to keep me in check uh, as we go through this, as we were just sort of talking about ahead of time. That's good. Thank you. Uh, so co-host Emily, let's introduce yes. our pastor panel. Yes, we have Pastor Amanda and Pastor Caroline. Welcome yeah. to both yeah. of you. Thank you. Thank you. Good to this be here. is going to be great. Yeah, it is going to be great. And we do really have some good ground to cover. So mm-hmm. we're a little nervous. We might not have time. So let's dive right in. <laughs> Let's, let's get into the let's questions with a little help from Ted. Why don't we just jump right in? Anybody got any questions? Oh, yeah. No, should have saw that coming. Okay. First, our readings from Jeremiah. Why do true prophets like Jeremiah get so much resistance from the world? Doesn't the world want to hear God's word? <laughs> I think the easy answer to that is no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> what we have to remember is that that the job of a prophet is to call the people back to the covenant. In other words, reminding them what their relationship with God is supposed to be and what the parameters of that relationship is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And if the prophet is calling them back, it means they've fallen away. In other words, they're trying to do life the way they want to rather than the way God has has set out for us Mm -hmm. to be. So, of course, if somebody is telling you you, you're off the road, you're into the ditch— we don't want to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> so who so, does? Yeah, it's yeah. Not yeah really, comfortable. It, it, regardless, mm-hmm. any kind of correction, any kind of critique. I mean, and we were just talking. Um, people don't like correction, um, and it seems to be getting worse in some respects, in some areas. So, are we surprised that when Jeremiah says, "Hey, you're you're way off base here," um, that the people didn't want to hear it? Mm-hmm. Sure. It's, yeah. That's such a good intro into the whole – it's not just Jeremiah, it's any of the other prophets. But the cool thing about reading through Jeremiah, as opposed to most of the other prophets we're reading about so far, is we're not just getting the prophecies that God is speaking mm-hmm. through Jeremiah to these people who need to be warned, who are who are drifting into dangerous territory. And so Jeremiah rises up and he faithfully does it. He says it. And then he gets drilled. I mean, he gets hammered for it. He just gets – creamed uh, for it. And there's times when he's like, you know, I wish I hadn't been born. Right. And mm-hmm. this, this is, yeah. it's a hard gig um, to, to speak truth uh, that is a corrective word, as you're saying, Caroline, uh, to a world that doesn't want to hear it. And, and you know, I don't want to talk about us and them like, like we're the ones who always get it right and the world always gets it wrong. I don't want to hear it sometimes too. It's just, mm-hmm. it's human nature. It's sinful human nature. Mm-hmm. It's not helpful human nature. Mm-hmm. It's sinful human nature when I don't want to receive um, a faithful correction. Unfaithful corrections, mm-hmm. I think we should tune out, but faithful, try to. Unfaithful, corre- unfaithful corrections are the ones that are important for us to hear. I think that's really, really important. I think, I think also you, you alluded to this, Caroline, in our current climate, our culture, in the environment that's around us, it seems like it's becoming more trendy to look for something, to, to, to resist that kind of 
faithful word. Even mm. when it comes to uh, whatever version of Christianity we prefer, right. we seek comfort. We we um, we want to hear what our itching ears want to hear, as, yeah. as First Timothy says, instead of the truth. But it's only the truth that can set us free, and that that makes me nervous. It seems like there's two big problems in the church today. To say it simply, but for the sake of hopefully clear communication, one is there's not enough prophets who will tell the truth. That, that there's mm-hmm. a lot yes. of temptations, a lot, and I mean writers, authors, teachers, preachers, songwriters, whatever, who are Christian and are trying to proclaim scripture to the world mm-hmm. in that way, in a faithful way. It just feels like the temptation's too big to water it down, too big to to minimize, too big to to not go where scripture pushes us to go. And I've found this in my own ministry, that there are times when it's really tempting not to. Sure. What it's really tempting not to put it out there. Um, over the last few weeks is a good example. And I put it out there. <laughs> I'm not trying to be like, so, you know, I'm like Jeremiah, I'm the faithful prophet. But I kind of know how he feels. And I'm sure you guys do, mm-hmm. too, that there are moments in, in ministry for any of us where it's like, well, if we do the faithful thing, we're going to get creamed. Um, mm-hmm. And if we, if we try to fit the message into, the, into conformity with culture, We'll probably get cream too. <laughs> so, so we might as well get cream for telling the truth is where I've been for the last yeah. couple of decades or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's getting harder and harder in this world that doesn't want to hear it. Doesn't isn't as interested in hearing what God says as they are in hearing in, in them telling us this is who we think God is. That's mm-hmm. the first problem. The second problem is so we need prophets who have courage and can stand up and tell the truth. The second is um the drift, the the drift away from the truth and wanting to seek other truths that are more comfortable. There's a nice, nice drift when it comes to church people. They find excuses not to participate in church life. They say, I'm too busy. I'm too tired. It's not the season. And they drift away. And that's heartbreaking. Then there's what I call the uninformed drift, which is people who, uh, you know, accuse, it, it, it confuse the truth with being a lie and vice versa. And they tell the church they need to line up better with the world, you know, and it, it's really important. You need to conform and the Bible just doesn't let us do that. And then the third is the aggressive drift, which we can see on social media where people are seeking attention for how they have become atheists or become agnostics or they've washed their hands of of the imperfect church. And boy, are we clear on the fact that this is an imperfect church. Nobody here claims that this is anything right. but, because look at us who are sitting around the table <laughs> who are you know called the leader, imperfect leaders. But... There is um, underneath it all here and in a lot of other churches that are seeking to be faithful in a Jeremiah kind of way, uh, a true uh, effort to try to say best we can, we're going to try to tell you this is what God's word mm-hmm. says. Yeah. Uh, and we're not going to shy away from that. Um, and yeah, so those things are are concerning to me in our world. And I think the relevance of Jeremiah is pretty clear. Yeah, yeah it comes, comes through hard. Those mm-hmm. are real. We're talking about prophets. Quickly, we got a write-in that says, what's happening in Jeremiah 23 that makes this chapter about false prophets? The problem with prophets is that they're telling us what's going to happen if we don't change our behavior. Mm -hmm. And so how do you know what the result, the consequences are going to be? Because those are in the future. Mm. So if you've got a prophet saying, if you do this this is going to happen. Well, how yeah. are you going to know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to test the prophets. So there are prophets who are saying the exact opposite of Jeremiah. 
Jeremiah is saying, if you don't come back to God, if you don't renew yourself in God's parameters, if you mm-hmm. don't come back to the covenant, yes. then God is going to punish you. I mean, mm-hmm. it just is. And other prophets are out there saying, nah, don't listen to him. Things are fine. It's going to be okay. Um, he's just trying to to stir up trouble. Right. And so there's this big tension in this time of Jeremiah between the true prophets and the false prophets. Yeah. And it's hard kind of sometimes to tell who's actually going to be the one who prevails. Sure. Well, and just to make it really relevant for our real world situation right now, people might be watching this years later, <laughs> Unless Jesus comes back first, <laughs> which, that. which honestly, you know, and I, I alluded to this in the sermon this last weekend here at Hope, uh, you know, the war in the Middle East raging, um, terrorism happening, uh, response, uh, chaos, uh, death, sadness, it's in the Holy Land. There are words in scripture that point to these things. And so, you know, it's, it, it is certainly not something I think we should just sort of overly, in an overly casual way, just sweep aside and say, oh, there's nothing to see here. There might be something to see here, biblically. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, there's an equal danger, which yes. I see happening more yeah. you know, amongst Christians these days, which is mm-hmm. people rising up, false prophets, to say mm-hmm. the uh, kind of the opposite of the, the false prophets in Jeremiah's day who are saying, don't worry, relax, it's fine. It's not what we're saying here. We're saying, well, we'll see. And in the meantime, the Bible's very clear on what we should do. Just keep the faith, get to work, love right. people, serve, yeah. uh, you know, uh, yep. forgive, do, do all the things Christians do. If you think Jesus is coming back tomorrow, well, stick with your plan for today because you've, <laughs> you've got your stuff worked out. Yeah. That's what the Bible's very clear on. So we're not saying it's not going to happen. But on the other hand, we're not like those prophets who are rising up and saying, well, uh, this is uh, Iran and in the Bible, and this is Hamas, and this is Israel, and yeah. this is Russia, and this is China, and this is the United States, and here's how it all comes together, because they're proof texting a lot of stuff to get there and yes. putting pieces of a puzzle together that are not meant to be puzzled together. Jesus makes that very clear. So we got to watch that too. So false prophets can go both ways. They can either say, oh, don't worry, or they can say, let me scare you to death to get more attention from you. Mm. And both of those are false. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. Uh, what can we learn from the familiar prophetic words of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven and chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, this time through the Bible, reading text in context? Yeah, so these are verses that uh, I can speak for myself, and I don't want to speak for Caroline, but I can. I, I think that we've talked about this uh, when someone you know has a sign on their you know Jeremiah twenty nine eleven mm-hmm. you know on their wall. That's wonderful. Have that on your wall. My question is always like, okay, have you read the whole book? Do you do you know what do you know what's happening here? And so we have had this opportunity to do that. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For those of you mm-hmm. that can't just remember it off the top of your head, it'll be familiar to you. It says, the Lord says uh, through the prophet, for I know. Oh, the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And if we take those out of context, you might come away with a feeling that God really wants you to have a basketball hoop and a three-car garage. And that would be wonderful if that were the case. But what God is talking about... Uh, you mean uh, that's folks, not what it's I about? I'm sorry, Pastor <laughs> Mike. I hate to, <laughs> hate to mess with come you Come on, today. bring it. Yeah, You're right. Yeah. Keep going. Um, yeah. What we see in these verses, what we really see is that these verses are beautiful reminders of God's character, because what these people have gone through is it looks like the promise that that underpinned their identity 
as descendants of Abraham, it looks like those promises are broken. It looks like the end is near. It looks like God has completely forgotten his people. Like maybe they have pushed him too far. Mm -hmm. And even though God had promised that he was taking responsibility for this covenant, maybe, maybe not. Because everything they see tells them that they have been abandoned and forsaken and all this has happened. Now, we can have a conversation. Were they warned? A thousand times, yes. Right? Mm -hmm. They absolutely were. However, humans, we just got done talking about how neat humans can be sometimes. Uh, We (laughs) like to hear what we like to hear. We don't want to hear what we don't want to hear, right? And so, so what we see is God's covenant faithful promise that no matter what has taken place, there is hope for their future. God is going to make good on his word. It may not come exactly as they wanted it to, believed it would, hoped it would, but he has plans for their future, a future and a hope for them. He will hear their prayers. Uh, uh, Chapter 31, um, let's see, verses 31 to 34, yep, you know, begins with, the day is coming when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. God is, God is going to do what God said he was going to do. So this is hope for his people when everything looks really bad. Mm. That's important to, I think, to, to, it's important not to misapply a verse and proof text it. I'm so yeah. glad you started the way you did there, Amanda, with that. Um, do you know the context of this text? That, that is a really cool verse, mm-hmm. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans. Or Jeremiah yes. 31, um, I'll give you a new heart. I'll mm-hmm. remove your heart of stone. I'll, 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 a new covenant is coming. It won't be like the old one. It, it, really hopeful words. And so it's not like they're irrelevant to us. Mm-hmm. For anyone who's f- feeling like they're in a season of exile, uh, as I think our world did during COVID uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. Uh, now that was a few years. This has been a couple of generations. You know that these folks that Jeremiah is speaking toward that you're you're going to deal with exile, but he's telling them even so, even if it's not a few years, but it's a few generations mm-hmm. of of heartache and brokenness and turmoil and, and a sense of just not being home, uh, of not of not being where you want to be in life. Well, now that is very relevant for you. Mm-hmm. I, I know the plans I have for. For people who keep the faith, for people who stay true to me, um, now that verse sings. So it's really good news for people who are hurting. And yeah. and I think that that part of it is incredibly relevant, both in Jeremiah 29 and Jeremiah 31. Switching to the book of James, who is James? And what do you want our podcast listeners to know about this letter that will help them better understand and apply it to daily life? Well, James is a get-in-your-face, <laughs> challenge-how-we-live-in-daily-life kind of guy. Um, J- James... You know, we can get back to original languages and in English, we say James, in Greek, it's Jacobus, in Hebrew, it's Yaakov. And people get a little hung up on all that and they say, well, it shouldn't be called James, it should be called Jacob or whatever. Mm. You know, it's English, you know, which is an English translation. So the English translation of that name is James. Um, And I just don't think it's worth the fight. But there are different people named James in the English translations of the Bible. There's the son of Zebedee, who's a disciple. There's the son of Alphaeus, who's a disciple. It's not this James. This James is the half-brother of Jesus, uh, who is walking um, with the disciples. It, it's We know he's not the son of Zebedee. We know he's not the son of Alphaeus. We know he's the son of Joseph. And so that's why we think this is a different James, uh, biblically speaking. Regardless, this is a faithful dude. He he knows Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, he grew up in the same family. Mm-hmm. You know how brothers can yeah. get. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he becomes the leader of the Jerusalem church after Peter uh, is called elsewhere to, to be more of a missionary. And that first century Jerusalem church is, is going to face a lot of turmoil, hard times, famine, persecution. But through it all, James provides this courageous leadership. He's a peacemaker. He's a, he's a wise, very wise leader. And so what we're reading here is sort of a summary of his wisdom. It's, and I'll add this. This is kind of, I think, helpful because if you read James, you can almost feel like you're taking water through a fire hydrant. You know, it's just like, holy smokes. Mm-hmm. And that should sound familiar because that's how it feels to read Proverbs. And, that, and James reads a lot like Proverbs. Mm-hmm. And it reads a little bit like the Sermon on the Mount. So when James is there listening to Jesus preach the Sermon on the Mount, it has that same rhythm to it. And so rather than taking a glass of water and gulping it down, it should be more like a fine wine. And Caroline, you know Absolutely. your wines, it should be sipped, you know, yes. and, and savored and pondered. It's okay to read James by reading a verse or two and then just mm-hmm. stopping and say, well, okay, what, what is this? Mm-hmm. And, and like you would Proverbs, because Proverbs isn't like, okay, I'm going to tell you a story. James isn't telling us a lot of stories here. He's just saying, here's some wisdom, here's some wisdom, here's some wisdom, here's some wisdom. And it does hold together. But I think that's helpful. And that's what I'd want our podcast listeners to know about this letter to help them better understand it and apply it. One of the things I love about reading James is um, as you go through it, you get the sense that you are hearing from someone who had multiple intimate conversations with Jesus because he takes the things that Jesus taught that we can read about in the Gospels, and he just says them then in his own words, but you're like, that's what Jesus said somewhere else. And so it's like you get this sense of like, no, he, he hung out with Jesus, his brother, right? Even when they were going at it with each other, even, you know, when all those different things were going on. But but afterwards, he, he begins the letter by saying, this letter is from James, a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he understood, like, his order in all of this. And you, I just love how you get the sense that he had just an intimate familiarity with Jesus, and it comes out in the way he, in the way he writes. Yeah, I don't say that about my big brother, that, <laughs> yeah. that I'm a slave, you know, of his. I, I, I just don't. You. Nor does my little brother say that about me. Yeah. In what universe can we take great joy in times of trouble, and how can tests of faith make us perfect and complete, as James claims? Oh, this is really hard to swallow, mm-hmm. especially in our culture where everything should be instant gratification and easy, and because I want it, I get it. Yeah. Um, One thing to understand is if you're ever going to get good at anything, it's going to take time. Mm -hmm. Faith is not instantaneous. In order Mm -hmm. to develop a greater faith, you have to persevere. And in order to persevere, you need need to work at it. And in order to work at something, um, it has to be difficult at first. Um, For me, I look at this, you know, doing a residency in OBGYN, oh my, we, Mm -hmm. we, you know, um, 100 and 120 hour weeks on call every third night. It was hard. It was hard. But by golly, I learned it. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and it's the same with faith. You you learn best if you are challenged. You mm-hmm. don't learn if you're comfortable. Or at least the learning doesn't stick. And so what James is saying, yeah, life isn't easy. Um, and nobody ever promised you a rose garden. But you know what? You want You actually want it that way. Because your faith is going to mature as you work through these things because you have to become more and more dependent upon God. Mm 
because that's what the world wants us to do. The world wants us to be be dependent upon ourselves. You know, it's back to Genesis 1, Genesis Mm -hmm. 1 and 2, you know, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want to do it myself. I want to make my own standards. And James is saying, um, no, what what growth in, in faith is, is understanding that it's not your standards, it's God. And to get there, it can be hard work. But the end result is what we're after. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And James is all about, we got to get rid of this instant gratification understanding. This is a, it's a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yeah. Right. yeah. There's the, the verse here is when you are suffering, let it grow. Verse four of James mm-hmm. one, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect. The, the Greek word here that James uses for perfect, I think is worth noting uh, just, just for a moment. It, it is, uh, it is not a perfectionistic perfect. Right. It's not like, oh, nothing is wrong in my life. Mm-hmm. Quite the opposite. It's a wholeness. It, it, it's, a, it's a coming together. And so, Caroline, as you're talking about even an example in your life of residency and, and how grueling that is, and yet you learned it, you know, you, you, that, that, that push, that stretch strengthens mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. I hear the phrase sometimes, and, you know, it's a little cliche, but say, well, if it doesn't kill us, it makes us stronger. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would also add, if it kills you, you also get stronger. <laughs> as, as somebody who belongs to Jesus, uh, a lot stronger, actually, uh, glorified body and such, you know, all that. But it does make me think of, so yesterday, after a wonderful day of ministry, long, and all the ups and downs of that, uh, I was tired, and I'm walking out, and it's later than it should have been, and so I'm leaving while some people are coming in for some classes and different things. And I run into one uh, man in this church who's been here for a couple of decades plus. He's gone through some major health issues lately, uh, had had a real serious emergency heart surgery over the last few years, had to have another one recently. So I was trying to get up to date on how he's feeling and doing. And he talked about it very honestly, you know, and he said, it it stinks and the the medicine i'm taking i'm not doing well on it and i'm having you know issues with it and and side effects and, and all that and those aren't always easy either sometimes the cure can be worse than the disease and and so he's saying all that and yet he looks at me then and he goes but life is good every day's a gift and i got nothing to complain about it's perfect mm-hmm. and so there's that word perfect again mm-hmm. you know from james 1:4 it means all the fragmented pieces come together because even though he's coming face to face with his mortality, like we all yeah. will mm-hmm. at some point, and hopefully he has many more decades here on this earth mm-hmm. that is possible, and I hope and pray for that. But if he doesn't, he's saying, I'm good. I, I, every day is a gift, and I have that perspective now on it. So I'm not going to miss the moments. I'm not going to miss anything. That's perfect. That, I mean, that, that really is truly perfect. Mm-hmm. We can shoot for perfect in all the wrong ways and never get there. Or we can let God work through our hard times and our challenging times and say, you know, so it's perfect. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's good in the, in the biblical sense of the word. Mm-hmm. It all comes together. God's got this. God's got me. God's got us. Uh, I'm whole. I'm complete. There's wisdom. There's maturity there. And it's a powerful statement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk through what conventional thinking gets wrong and what James gets right regarding real world loyalty, wealth, and temptation. So let's break those apart. Let's talk about loyalty. 
Okay, I I was assigned to do this one first, so I'll go. This these are flip yeah. the script moments yeah. for for James. Uh, and mm-hmm. conventional thinking would say, "Hey, loyalty is something you give to someone uh, in a conditional sort of way, and and that's it." And granted, there are times when people burn the bridge, do not deserve our loyalty. Mm-hmm. But James is talking about loyalty to God here. God's not going to burn that bridge. We're not talking about an imperfect. God here. We're talking about a God who is good and loving and grace-filled and has only our best interests at heart. And so the Greek word here is diakrino. It, the dia means back and forth. The krino means to judge or to think. So it's not really the word loyalty. That's a translation. It's not the worst translation ever, but it really means uh, don't be the kind of people who go back and forth judging uh, and, and, and making th- those kinds of statements uh, instead, try to be loyal to God's word and his teaching. Don't don't just pick and choose the parts of God's teaching that you like. Here we are getting challenged yeah. again, right? Yeah. We all do. I'll be in the front of that line. <laughs> There's parts of scripture I'm like, yeah, yeah, bring it, Lord, and, and make sure everybody hears it. That's that's the thing that those people really need to hear. Yeah. I'm so good on that part and so, <laughs> so like not wanting to hear yeah. the part of God's word no, that is the challenge to absolutely. me. Absolutely. So let's... You know, humbly approach mm-hmm. God's word and say, God, what do you got here for me yeah. today? And mm-hmm. I'm going to stay loyal to this even when I don't like it. Even I'm going to trust your word enough to say, even when you're pushing all my buttons, you're flipping the script for a good reason. Um, you have my best interest in mind and you don't want me to waver anymore. So no more back and forth judgmental thinking about your word. I'm going to say, I just must be missing something here, and, and I need to learn it. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. about the other ones? Yeah, yeah. Pastor so, Amanda, wealth. Yeah, so wealth. You know, the world tells us a lot of things about wealth. Primarily what it tells us about wealth is that it can solve all of our problems. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, that it... Yeah, that, that it can solve our problems, that it can make us happy, that it can make us important, that it can make us popular, that it can make us likable, <laughs> that it can make us all the things that we want to be. And that it's the ultimate. That it's the ultimate. Yeah, I mean, it can do everything for us that we want it to do. And here we have James saying, you know, believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them, and those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. Mm. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The sun rises, the grass withers, and the little flower droops and falls, and its beauty fades, and in the same way the rich will fade away with all their achievements. This sounds an awful lot like Matthew chapter 5. Uh, sounds an awful lot like uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Jesus is making it very clear as he's talking to this group of people. Those of you who are sitting here before me today who were hearing my words, God sees you. The kingdom of heaven, literally Jesus, the kingdom of heaven, was standing right there in front of them, bringing them peace and comfort and um, and letting them know that God sees them and knows them and loves them. And so James is saying, look, your wealth can't do anything for you. You're not going to get to take it with you. It's not going to last forever. Uh, you know, and, and practically speaking for us, sure, your wealth can buy you a vacation, but it can't make you the kind of person who's happy and fun on vacation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it can't do that. You're still going to be your miserable self, no matter how much money you have, no matter where you are. So, money doesn't fix everything, does it? It, it? it doesn't. Our world tells us that it does, but James is flipping the script. He says, no, it does not. Um, God's got something better for you. I've yeah. seen some of those moody people on vacation. Right. Well, I think we all have. <laughs> yeah. We're like, wow, okay. <laughs> they exist. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Pastor Caroline, what about temptation? Temptation. Our world would say, um, uh, rather mm-hmm. than temptation, it's just who I am. 
You know, yeah. I mm. gossip. It's just, who, mm. it's just who I am. I so get true. angry. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, that's, that's, the, the, that's the way I was born. Um, you know, so it's like, it's just who I am rather than, and when you read, when you actually read the text and go all the way through it, um, James is saying, but one is tempted by one's own desires, one's own compulsions. I mean, we all have our own compulsions, the, mm-hmm. own, the things that we think we cannot control. Mm. Um, it's it's the old Adam. It's the sinful nature. Mm-hmm. It's it's the world. It's our flesh. That sort of thing. Um, and James is saying you got to stop that because if you're lured by that, it gives birth to sin, mm-hmm. and that sin then will lead to death. In our world, they'll say, "Yeah, so what? It's fun. Enjoy mm-hmm. what you want to do. It's it's you know, eat, drink, <clears throat> and be merry." But James is saying when you do that. You are actually losing life. It's mm-hmm. not gaining life. Um, it, you know, it's 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 like I it, I do this because it makes me feel better, rather than I do this because I know who I am. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right. true. So That's we've got good. to we've got to understand who we are, so that that influences our behavior. Because if yeah. we let our behavior influence our identity, we're we're going to be the miserable people on vacation. <laughs> yeah. 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 James yeah. is really good too, as he says these things. So he talks about loyalty. He talks about wealth. Mm-hmm. He talks about temptation. And so we've covered all those mm-hmm. verses now here in chapter one, but he, he also along the way gives these like PS theological truths, like God will never tempt you. Uh, let, let, let me throw that one in there. And being loyal to his word is, would be good for you. And wealth isn't going to be enough. He even tells a story about, uh, or gives an analogy about the hot sun rises, the grass withers, a little flower droops and falls, beauty fades away. That, that's your so all wealth, temptation, loyalty, all those things. James is going to tell you, he's going to hit you, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then he's also going to give this stuff that when I think about it, I'm like, and these are nowhere else in scripture is it as clearly stated as it is in James. God does not tempt people to sin. Where do we get that? James, right mm-hmm. here. James right. chapter one, as he's talking right. about temptation, he slips that in there too. And we build entire theologies uh, around this. So yes. this is rich. Mm-hmm. This, this sip the wine, people. I mean, go, go back to that again. Do not gulp this stuff down. Do not rush through, James. Take your time. There's a lot here. Yeah. He spent a lot of time with Jesus. Yes, he spent a lot of time with Jesus. There it is again. We keep coming back to that. Yeah. And it all comes yeah. out of that relationship. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. How does God's word and God's law help us discover our true identity, and how does that affect our own words and actions? Hmm. So one of the things that I do here at Hope is uh, adult discipleship. Mm -hmm. And so I love this question. If you were to give me the rest of the time, I could probably talk about this for days. I will Mm -hmm. try not to. (laughs) You go where the spirit leads. (laughs) So, okay, so maybe an oversimplified answer to this question really is that God's law shows us how far we are from his holiness, okay? And that would, under normal circumstances, be very bad news for you news for us. Uh, But God's word shows us how far he's willing to go Mm -hmm. for us. And so as people who, as people who follow Jesus, we have this reality in our life is that each thing, every single one of us is a person for whom Jesus was willing to die. Mm -hmm. That is, that is who we are. Now, as we lean into that, as that is is that becomes more true to us because we spend more time in his word, we spend more time exploring that, 
when we get to the point where we really are comfortable with that truth, Jesus was willing to die for me, okay? As that becomes more of who we are, then it inevitably, the next step of that is that every single person we come in contact with, bless them, Jesus was willing to die for them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... So we come to see other people that way. So then how this applies to the law is as those things become more real to us, then all of a sudden we become people who truly, you legitimately living in that truth, do not want to be someone who flies off the handle in anger because you understand that when you do that towards someone, you're doing that towards someone for whom Jesus was willing to die. You increasingly become the kind of person who you don't want to have sin and selfishness running the show because your Lord and Savior Jesus did not live that way. And and you want to emulate the things that he has done. You don't want to have sin and anger running the show because it, it ends up hurting somebody else. You come to the conclusion that all of these sins, all of these temptations uh, that James has just talked about, all of these becomes become ways that actually steal life from us. That becomes abundantly clear to us the more we spend time following Jesus and living and, and breathing in that space. And so we realize that Jesus came to give us abundant life. He died for us to have abundant life in eternity, yes, but also this side of heaven. And so as that becomes more real, as that becomes our fundamental identity, someone for whom Jesus was willing to die, when we look in the mirror, we see someone who gets to call on the Lord of heaven's armies. We see someone who is known by the one who hung the sun and the moon and the stars and all of those things. As that impacts who we are, it impacts our desire and how we live and be in the world. Um, That's discipleship. That's growing in that reality of who Jesus says we are. So when we look in that mirror, as James, as you said, as, as James said, and, and, and then we remember who we are, then it comes out perfect. We get back to that word again, not mm-hmm. perfectionistic, right. but things come together because we remember who God made, like, like who we are. We're children of, we're children of God. We're not yes. just children of people. We're, yeah. That's good too. But we're children of, of this holy yeah. Perfect, good God. So we have some incredible potential. You know, we we have some things that we might want to remember. It, it helps in so many ways. Get into situations. Remember, my mom would always tell me before I went on dates in high school. Remember who you are. Re- remember, remember. And it'd be like, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, but she, but I'm so glad she yeah, did because it was such a good reminder. Because mm-hmm. now that's that's probably she's so smart. And that was probably better than saying 27 things. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. Just remember who you are. For sure. Remember mm-hmm. who we've told you from the beginning. You're a child of God. You belong to, to the king of all kings. You Act like it. Yeah. it, it yeah. Don't look in a mirror and forget who you are, James says. And especially he has a lot to say here about anger, controlling mm-hmm. our anger mm-hmm. that comes out a lot of times as words. That yes. Control your tongues. It, it be... What is it? Uh, you know, quick to listen, slow to speak, mm-hmm. slow to get angry. James one nineteen. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of it, flush it. It's 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 not helping anybody. It's not helping you either. Let it go. It isn't white knuckling that. It isn't just saying right. I have all these words. I'm going to pretend I'm not mad. <laughs> right, yeah. right. It is truly. You feel those things. Those things are there. Just be honest, Jesus. Yeah. All these things are there. Yeah. I don't like the way I feel with all these things there. I'm going to need you to help me. Yeah. I'm going to need you to help me, Jesus. 
so because there's certain there's certain things we can't get rid of without that power without of that Jesus. help. Yeah, yes, I mean, on my own willpower, I can't get rid of it. Yes, but right, absolutely not. Help um, me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> take the wheel. Yeah. I mean, and and when when we are given an instruction by God, I think this is so important for people to understand. When God gives us an instruction, He wants to help us keep that instruction. It is not dangled out there as as a test. As some people will say, "Can you do this? Can you be good enough? Can you can you white knuckle your way through this?" He wants to help you obey him. So ask him for help. Yeah, that's really good. When I hear your answers, I hear two parts. I hear to, our identity is people who are deeply loved, yep. who Jesus d- sacrificed for us. We're chosen and also called mm-hmm. to live yeah. like him and, and to to go out and do more. As mm-hmm. always, Emily nails yeah. the summary. Breaking <laughs> it down. Put, puts yeah. it in language everyone can yeah. get. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Emily. Breaking it down. Can you stand by us when we preach, too? No. And just no. say what, what they just meant was. <laughs> yeah. right. um, what's wrong with favoring some people over others? And how can James liken breaking just one of God's laws to breaking all of God's laws? Mm-hmm. There again, this is in chapter two of James, the first 13 verses. James kind of talks about something and then he hits you with this. This deep theological truth that one sin's as bad as any sin, and you can't because they all, as you said, pull us apart from the holiness God wills for us and wants us to live out. Uh, Amanda, you you were saying that, and so here's I think I'm going to tell a story to try to illustrate this. What's wrong with favoring some people over others? Let's flip the flip it and talk about what's right about not favoring mm-hmm. others. Of, of you know, what does Romans twelve says? 12 say, don't think that you're better than you really are. Uh, that's going to come up big now for the rest of James. Humility, humility, humility. Yesterday, our son is a, is a film producer and filmmaker, and, and he and his partner, uh, this company they started, created a short film and somehow got to Disney. Disney found out about it. They got excited about it. They invited uh, my son and his, his uh, co-worker to Disney Studios in LA. They were there yesterday or Monday, or th- for the last three days, I guess. And I asked John, he called last night on his way home. He was flying from LA back to Charlotte where he lives. And he, and I said, tell me about it. And he said, I said, were the studios just phenomenal? I mean, just the most amazing thing. He goes, that's just it. He goes, yes and no. He said, they have everything they need for sure. They've got all like the latest stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing fancy about it. There's nothing like it doesn't sparkle. It doesn't, you, you know, Walt Disney's office, his old office is right down the hall, you know, and, and so he got to walk by that. And then he goes, we're sitting in the studio and the guy from Disney just casually says, hey, name me an animated film from your childhood that you really liked. For, John said, first one came to mind was Aladdin. And so the guy goes, oh, wow, that's crazy. Because Robin Williams was standing right where you're standing when he voiced the part of the genie. And so humble you know i mean here they they're disney every movie our kids have ever watched came out of these rooms mm-hmm. in in this place in this part of burbank california or wherever it is and and yet john says but they're the most down to earth mm. ordinary it, they, it said we're supposed to be there for 7 hours total we were there for 3 days and yeah. and they were doing sound finishing whatever that means uh, on the on the film uh and talked about future dreams and all this and just they just love to hang out with filmmakers and but they're they don't have to because they're yeah they're They're disney Disney. for crying out loud you know i mean they make the best animated films but that's why that is that is just a beautiful reminder i think of what james is saying here uh what's wrong with playing favorites well you're missing out 
on so many connections mm-hmm. and friendships and, yeah. and, and richness in life because you think you're too good to talk to people or you mm-hmm. think you're too good to, to, to be at that level. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get over ourselves and, and let's, let's remember who we are again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we say, oh, well, I guess we all need God's this grace, the ground's level at the foot of the cross. So we're no better than anybody else. Nobody else is better than us. We might as well treat each other as human beings. Yeah. Uh, that's what James is getting at here. Uh, why does James emphasize good works and how does that sync with a major New Testament theme that faith alone, not good works, saves us? This is one of those, uh, uh, having grown up Lutheran, um, it took me a while to to be able to read James and not hear Luther in my head because Luther himself was not a big fan of James no, at all. No. Um, and I, I can't tell you the number of times I heard the words works righteousness growing up sort right. of thing. But when you actually think about it, you're saved by grace through faith for what? Come on. Yes. <laughs> for, mm. for what? Yeah. I mean, God created and then gave Adam a job. He has a yeah. purpose. And so this faith has a purpose. It is my relationship with God and my relationship with other people. So we are saved by faith mm-hmm. through grace. It's all gift. And then we get to play with the gift. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the cool part. And when you really understand this, when you really understand that I am a child of God, I get goosebumps. When I am a child Mm -hmm. of God, me too. how can I not Mm. want to to share this with others, to do things with and for others? I mean, if if you have faith, you have got to be incredibly excited. And, And James is all about faith needs to be active. For James, it's not the the conflict between faith and doubt, it's between faith that's active and faith that is just sitting there and doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That drives James up a wall. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so we've got, it's, it's, faith is this incredible thing. How can you not live it? Yeah. How yeah. can you not share it? You're a bird, fly. You're exactly. a fish, swim. You're a exactly. race car, go fast. Yeah. You know, you, you weren't made just to sit there. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's, you know, I remember in seminary, one of the greatest theologians in, in all of Christianity in the last century is Gerhard Ferdy. Wrote volumes and volumes of books. Christian dogmatics is a big part of what he did. And a lot of us, it, it almost got, not because he wanted us to, but it was almost like, well, whatever, what would Ferdy say? Was, was often <laughs> what we would say along the way because, you know, the theology is so important. And so you said you grew up Lutheran, I did too. And we are a Lutheran Church of Hope. And so we get... We, we can throw the penalty flag faster than any other denomination mm-hmm. on works righteousness yeah. mm-hmm. because we've been trained to do that. It's like, yes. ah, that yeah. sounds like theology of glory. That sounds like works righteousness. That's, uh-huh. a, that's not really, that's not good sound theology. I also had an, my faculty advisor at seminaries, Dr. John Don Jewell, brilliant, brilliant Bible scholar, uh, ended up at, at uh, Princeton as the head of the whole New Testament department. This is, so he and Ferdy were friends and uh, they were, co-teaching one class one day mm-hmm. and Ferdy was doing this whole works righteousness thing going after it. And then Don Jewell, the Dune Testament guy says, don't you hate it when you can't get your theology to sound like Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, wasn't it Jesus who says, you know, a tree by its fruit. So yeah. it's not just James, it's his brother, Jesus. It's who he spent a lot of time with. <laughs> and so they sound alike. Jesus would agree with everything you just yeah. said, Caroline. Or better yet, you agree with everything Jesus said. Cart, horse, cart, horse. Yeah, remember who we are. Yeah. But Jesus says, that's how you know. It, is, your, is your tree producing fruit? 
mm-hmm. you doing good works? Are you loving, caring, giving, serving, forgiving, compassionately seeing the world, humbling yourself enough to don't think you're better than other people? If you aren't, your faith might be off. It mm-hmm. probably is. And we need to go back to that. And, and let's reestablish who you are again and how much we all need to have faith and trust in God and his word. And now when we remember who we are, it changes the way I go on dates. It changes mm-hmm. the way I live my daily life. It changes mm-hmm. the way I'm going to, it changes the way I'm going to be, mm-hmm. um, just to kind of put it in a, in a weird way. James doesn't say good work saves us either. Mm-hmm. He never says mm-hmm. that. He just mm-hmm. says that it's the natural outcome or the product mm-hmm. of our faith. It's the fruit on the tree. Yeah. I, I, Go ahead. I love how real the scripture is because it literally says if you, if you see somebody without clothes or f- food and you just say goodbye, have a nice day. Yeah. Like imagine if you saw church leaders here or yeah. a church sure. as a whole who yeah. didn't care for others, yeah. you would say they were not living out what they're called to. Yeah. And that would be very honest and real. And yeah. so that's that's in there. That's yeah, what he's absolutely. saying. When we set up that kind of <clears throat> false like dichotomy thing where, well, Paul says faith alone and James says deeds. Well, the truth of the matter is, you know, uh, Paul also, when he's talking about the things that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives, the list right before that is all the things to avoid doing. You know what I mean? (laughs) When you, so Paul's very, Paul's very clear on those things as well. James' theology of the cross is not made explicit in the things that he says, but it's all throughout his, it's all throughout his letter. He says, if you need something, ask God for it. He says every good thing comes from God. So while he doesn't get explicit on his on his uh, theology there of grace, um, it's it underpins everything else he's saying. I think the point is it's supposed your good deeds are a fruit of yep. mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. not to yep. gain mm-hmm. your grace or whatever. Mm-hmm. What I like so much about the Bible is it's practical. Mm-hmm. It is so practical yeah. mm-hmm. because sociologists and psychologists have discovered. Imagine this: <laughs> that you cannot act counter to your core beliefs. I know what you believe by your behavior. Mm. And that's exactly the, that's exactly what the Bible is saying. Um, So it's just a truth. It's Mm -hmm. just a truth. Mm -hmm. How do we cover up jealousy and selfish ambition? What's the antidote and is it worth taking? Why not just hold on to jealousy and selfish ambition? (laughs) Why not, Amanda? (laughs) Sounds appealing on some level. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know, um, but the truth of the matter is there is nothing in the whole wide world that will undermine a relationship faster than jealousy and selfish oh, ambition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ambition. We all yes. know that, right? Uh, when we look at the commandments, I mean, if you want to get down to it, um, every single one of them, some of them specifically refer to jealousy, <laughs> but they all refer to uh, jealousy and selfish ambition in one way, shape, or form. First mm-hmm. of all, get your relationship with God right. Quit thinking that you are, you know, a bigger deal than you actually are. And then, uh, again, don't kill, murder, steal, lie, honor your parents. All those things have to do, um, ambition, selfish ambition and jealousy are all interwoven into all of those, all of those things. Uh, As James says in chapter four, verse seven, humble yourself before God. I mean, like right there, that is, is, there it is, right? Humble yourself before God. Um, in one chapter one verse five, he says, "If you need wisdom, ask for it." Um, again, God is specific about how those things are not good for us, and so He wants to help us not live in those things because they'll they'll kill your joy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They will, and that that word humility just keeps coming up over and over again. It's it's there in James four um, verse six verse seven, uh, and on it goes. And and 
you know, James 5 really ends up just being a summary of these things. <laughs> and so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here with this question because James 5 just hits all the things that we've been talking about the whole way through. What is the antidote? The antidote is humility. That's what the antidote is to jealousy and selfish ambition. That's what James is making abundantly clear. Humility is remembering who we are. It is spending time with Jesus to remember that. It is all the things that keep popping up again and again and the answers to our questions here that that folks are asking as they read through James, which is why it's so, as you said, so practical, mm-hmm. Caroline. It hits mm-hmm. us right where we live in our day-to-day lives. And so I can't encourage people enough to apply it. To, so selfish ambition, and you said it in a minute, there isn't anything we can do that would get us messed up quicker you know, in our relationship with God. Ambition, I think itself. So people are like, wasn't that a little harsh? I mean, no, it's not. If you take, if you pay, pull ambition away from selfish. If you pull almost anything away from selfish, it's pretty much an okay thing. Mm-hmm. Ambition yes. is fine yep. until it gets selfish. Yep. Until I'm doing it for me. Mm-hmm. Until I'm doing it for your attention mm-hmm. or your accolades or your admiration or for my power or my mm-hmm. quest for for more. But if I'm if I'm ambitious for the sake of who, who God has made me to be yep. using the gifts God's made me with or create given to me. That's a good thing. Jealousy shows this is why jealousy is bad. It shows that what we think we need and someone else has, whether they achieved it or were given that thing, we need it in order to be happy. Yeah. And that gets to the heart of the Greek word here. Jealousy shows that underneath it all, we're self-centered and stuck in it's all about mode. It causes us to dislike or judge other people or say unfair things about them. It leads us to an inability to be truly happy for the success of someone else. And yes, I wrote all this down because I wanted to make sure I got it right. <laughs> That's prison. Yep. There's no freedom in that. And the health, I'll end with this. The healthiest, happiest, most mature, most complete in the Greek James way of defining perfect, the people who are living the most perfect lives are not people who have perfectionist lives. They're the ones who the pieces have come together, not because everything in life is clicking exactly the way they want it to, but because they have something stronger. They have something deeper. And so with humility, they're able to see other people who are doing well and be happy for them. And praise them. This, you know, mm-hmm. psychologists have done studies on this. The healthiest people emotionally are the people who can praise other people. And the flip side of the coin is true too. The unhealthiest people are the ones who criticism just flows freely. It just, it's, it's pretty much all we ever do. You know, and that gets back to James saying, watch your tongue. Uh, mm-hmm. Be careful what you say. And so it all comes together with who are you? What does that lead to? If you are a humble child of God, gifted filled up with all sorts of opportunities, the potential to live a perfect life in a deeper definition of what perfect means, a whole life, is there before you. So we need to get over ourselves <laughs> and, and give God all the focus and all the praise, which leads to this new life, leads to freedom, leads to... Um, it's why humility is such an important antidote for selfish mm-hmm. ambition. Instead of just saying, ah, I'm human. I'm selfishly ambitious. What are you going to do about it? Right. Well, it's killing you, actually. It, it, it's, what it's doing is it's taking you away from that life you've really, yep. your soul longs to live yep. and, and the experiences you long to have. So practical, yes. Relevant, yes. Right, right, right where God meets us, yes. And so stay in this word. Um, remember who you are. <laughs> who you are as a child of God. And part of that is we'll see you at church on Sunday. Uh, so come, bring a Bible, bring your friends, uh, stay, stay in the word, keep reading. And uh, man, it's just really good to be in the church together. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, 
Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite platform and we'll see you next time.